Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers here with my co-host, as always, Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. It's December. What? What happened? Oh my goodness. Here we go, everyone. Buckle up. It's December. It's also <laughs> Sunday morning, which means we are bringing you a More Than Mom episode. These are our chance to depart from parenting and motherhood topics and offer something fun and a little bit off the cuff. And we have a really fun topic for today. Yeah, I love these more than moms because especially during like the holiday season, we kind of need a break sometimes from mm-hmm. all the other stuff we're trying to plan and do. And these are just a fun little break. And today we are talking about things we've changed our minds about. Um, and I love this because, first of all, sometimes both you and I in different ways can really dig in on things. Oh, yeah, we have opinions. <laughs> we have opinions. But then I find that we often just kind of quietly and gradually change them and then kind of don't talk about that part like when we changed our minds so this is it's like kind of a little I don't know humbling is the wrong word but you know what I mean like when you kind of have to face facts about yourself and the fact that you're not always right about everything turns out turns out a couple (laughs) weeks ago when we talked about making conversation we talked about how it's it's fun when you're talking with mixed company to have strong opinions about things that don't mean that are not important at all it's like we use like you're really good at this like you can you can just have a 10 minute conversation about why, you know, X, Y, and Z is the best thing ever. We're not talking about religion, politics, parenting, hot topics. Right. We're talking about like crunchy versus smooth peanut butter, these types right. of things. <laughs> yes. And so it is kind of funny when you find your mind changing on these things that you've had very well established, strong opinions about. So we have yes. a, we have quite a list today. There's a little pop culture, um, some food and beverage uh, tastes that have changed over the years. And yeah, I think it's good for all of us to admit that we can change our minds after after some time in our maturity. Yes. All right. Well, we will get to it after the break. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. All right. So we have a fun list of things we have changed our mind about over the years, most of which are pretty fluffy and of no real import to the greater scheme <laughs> yes. of things. I will say, Sarah, we both decided that listener comments have definitely changed our minds about some parenting topics and mm-hmm. other things like that. But those didn't make it on this list because they almost feel like episodes in and of themselves. It's easier to talk about minutia. Yes, we're keeping yes. it very minute today. And that's a good point, because one thing we're not talking about today is like, you know, as you become more seasoned as a parent, you you kind of relax your standards about certain things or you might um, evolve your thinking like like something like bedtimes or right. screen time or sugar. I don't really look at that as changing your mind. You're just relaxing a little bit as a mom and right. kind of finding your way with with your boundaries. That's different. We're talking right. about like opinions we have that we now feel the opposite about. So, so yes. pretty different. But yes, I have one that a listener helped me change my mind about, too. So we'll get to that. Yes. All right. Why don't you go first? Sure. Okay. Well, my first one is super, super um, fluffy and it is pickles. (laughs) I have always hated pickles like my whole life and and like anything briny, olives, like um, just anything in that sort of class. Me too. um, Vinegary stuff and lots of like German dishes that have like vinegary potatoes and Mm -hmm. stuff like no thank you. But recently ish within the last year or two, I had this andouille sausage sandwich at a restaurant. It was like a slider and it was super simple. It was just like a little slider bun with an a couple slices of andouille sausage and then um, thinly sliced. I don't even know if they were bread and butter pickles. or I think they were um, maybe dill. I don't know. I don't even know what they were. They were kind of sweet. And it was delicious. Okay. So I already have questions about this. First of all, isn't andouille sausage kind of spicy and smoky? And don't we both mm-hmm. also dislike that flavor profile? Yes. <laughs> but some somehow, I will say, like, I like sausage sparingly. When it's not overly smoked and sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. But something about the combination of the smoky sausage and this tart, sweet pickle, it was just magic. And are you, I don't know. Are you just on team pickle now? I think I'm I, I am team. I understand the appeal of pickles. OK, I still wouldn't just grab one out of a jar and eat it. That's disgusting. <laughs> but and I'm still going to if I'm eating a sandwich at a restaurant and there's a pickle on the plate, I'm going to be kind of annoyed if it touched my face. Yeah. OK, and I will always give my pickle away. But in this, I just see now that pickles have a place mm-hmm. in the universe. And I am now pickle curious in a way that I was not. <laughs> Like I could see myself delving into more pickle adventures, especially if in there they're in that like very gastro pub, like a chef yeah. has purposefully. It's not just like a pickle slapped on your hot dog plate or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, how do you feel about pickles? I hate them. You and I, I thought so. Yeah, You yeah. and I are we really overlap in like 90 percent of our food taste. It's so funny as we travel more together, like listeners, I don't know if we've mentioned this, but a club sandwich is basically like the perfect food for both of us. Right. We both love bacon, avocado, cheese. Um, we have we order a lot of the same things at restaurants and we dislike <laughs> a lot of the same things like smoky flavors, yep. pickle, briny flavors. Um, so that's kind of funny. I have more of a sweet tooth than you do. Um, and I think we discovered that I am barbecue sauce. OK, although I used to be barbecue sauce averse and we kind of we departed there a little bit. But we yeah, we, mostly we have very, very similar. Um, I things. just don't think barbecue sauce is typically worth like the the vehicle like 
Like to me, barbecue sauce, say on wings, I'm not going to work that hard for the sauce. Yeah. Like the wing isn't enough food to make the sauce worthwhile, if that makes sense. Like it's just, I don't know. Yes. And some people really love that tangy barbecue flavor. I like it in pulled pork sandwiches. Yeah. And that's about it. That's where, yeah. that's pretty much where I like it too. Or a barbecue yeah. chicken or something like that. But, um, okay. So moving away from food, I'll get back to some food. I'm going to start with the one that gave me the idea for this episode. And this starts with a short backstory, which is a couple of years ago, we were at a conference and it was when podcasting was still kind of new. And we were kind of the speakers on podcasting and all weekend, all we heard was how much everybody loved Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. That was their favorite podcast. And between <laughs> yes. us, in our privacy of our hotel room, we were like, really, guys? Like, right. he's, I mean, of course, he's a very nice guy, great guy. His wife's adorable. But like, there's so many great indie podcasts by women creators out there. And we're here at this conference trying to lift up like small women-owned businesses and all anyone can talk about is Dax Dax Shepard. And so it gave me a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth about that. We were biased. We were both pretty biased. biased. And it was like, it was that thing that you and I both do where when something is everyone's favorite thing, we automatically don't like it. Right. Yes. So guilty. Yeah, guilty. So this summer, um, for some reason it was in my feed and he interviewed Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who is really like one of my favorite people on the planet. Like I want to be mm, friends with her in real amazing. life. I love her. Um, and I thought, well, I'm on a long walk. I'm just going to listen to that. And I, and I liked it. And so then I kept his podcast in my feed and every once in a while I would go and I would look to see who he was interviewing. Cause I, I don't really want to listen if it's someone I don't care about, but I have since listened to interviews with Kate Hudson and Oliver Hudson, her brother. That one was really good. Mm-hmm. I listened to part of one with Busy Phillips, the actress, and I like yep. her. Um, and I think there was another one that I listened to all the way through. But anyway, I'm not calling myself like Armchair Expert is my new favorite podcast, but I get it, everyone. You get it. Like I yeah. get the appeal. He's very, he's a really good guy. Like he's, have you listened to any? No. So we, because I've, yeah. I don't want to I like know, it. Because you don't want to like it. He's, <laughs> yeah. He's, very funny, but he's also like kind of sweet and, and mm. sort of like a highly evolved man, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, um, and so and he's adorable. I will give him yes. that. Yes. So I get it. I get it, everyone. And I, it's kind of like me with pickles. Like it maybe it still isn't your favorite, but right. you see the appeal. I see the appeal. I have to share a little total side story that yeah. um, Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell, apparently one of them is from Michigan. I don't he is. maybe he's, he's, I, he's from yeah. Michigan. And so this summer, they were staying someplace around here in my little town or in the vicinity of my little town. And there were all these sightings happening. Like people were seeing them at Meyer at the store. Like people were seeing them at the beach, like out for a burger. And so everyone was just losing their minds oh because my gosh. not a lot happens around yeah. here. We don't get famous people. In and Southwest he's Michigan. very famous. I mean, between yes. the two of them, I mean, they, they are a power couple for sure. So there was almost like Dax and Kristen watch like going on Facebook and everybody was like, like taking surreptitious pictures in line at the store and sending and posting them. And I just, it made us feel so small town and adorable, um, but also like kind of slightly embarrassing. Anyways. Well, I'm going to challenge you to, because I mean, there, he has so many episodes. And if you scroll the feed, I would pick one of someone who, that you really like that actor or that person, that writer. And then it's kind of fun because it, they're long. His episodes are like an yeah. hour and a half long. And it's just a conversation with that person. So that's how I got. That was my um, gateway was listening okay. to a person I really wanted to hear from. And so, yeah, I recommend if, it. If I do that, can I challenge you to have an andouille sausage sandwich with pickles on it? Sure. I'll do that. You're, that's not like not on my list of things. I mean, I wouldn't order it, but if you bought <laughs> right. it for me. <laughs> okay. I will buy you one one day and make it for you. All right. What's okay. your next one? So I have kind of a more general one. And this isn't quite as much about like, I didn't like this and now I like it or, or vice versa. It's more about music taste. Um, you know that I love listening to music. Mm-hmm. I like discovering new music, but I'm actually, there was just an article out not too long ago. There's been a couple actually in my feed. One was about why older people don't like new music, like mm. the older you get. Um, and another one was about like the benefits of both novelty and repetition. Uh-huh. And like how, so I will say that even though I love new music in theory, I am often resistant to it at first. Mm-hmm. And then get really, really into it. So I find that the music I like is whatever I'm being exposed to a lot. And sometimes that's because I willingly expose myself to it. And sometimes that's because I kind of just buy, I don't know, osmosis or yeah. my job or whatever. I am I am exposed to it and then I start to like it. So um, new listeners might not know this, but I was on a top 40 radio program um, as a morning show co-host. Mm-hmm. So the local top 40 station, or as we in the biz call it, 
hot adult contemporary. <laughs> it's like top 40 without rap. Okay. Basically. Um, and so two and a half morning or hours a morning, I was just exposed. Like we did very little talking. My co-host and I were like three minutes every commercial break, basically. So it was very, very little actual talking. It was mostly sitting in the studio, chatting with him and listening to the music in the background. And I got super into like, I don't like Justin Bieber Mm -hmm. and like all the, the artists that were out, you know, two to three years ago, just really pop. I can't even right now off the top of my head, a bunch of people who used to be on the Disney channel Mm -hmm. and are now, you know, starlets and stuff like that. And like, I knew every artist, I knew every song backwards and forwards. And then the day I quit, which was a little over a year ago now, I literally turned that station off and have not, except to sometimes check in with my old co-host, Johnny, um, because I like to hear what he's got going on. I don't listen to that station at all anymore. Mm -hmm. And I haven't listened to any top 40 music. I don't have, I have no idea. And the other day I tried to listen to it and I hated it. Yeah. So like while I was in it, I was in it. And then once I was out, it was just over. And I'm now... I'm totally listening to like more indie stuff again and stuff like that. And indie sometimes takes me a while to get into. But if if I'm hanging out with someone who listens to a lot of indie music, mm-hmm. I'll find that growing on me. And then I deep dive into that and know all of that. So it's like I flip flop mm-hmm. kind of wildly when it comes to music tastes. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you do have very eclectic music taste. So it would make yeah. sense that you'd go in swings. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm going to do one that is more parenting themed. Okay. And so this one, I changed my mind about this past year. Um, and that is that my girls or my children with long hair who happen to be girls in this case, um, need to have their hair in a ponytail to go to school. This was a rule in my house. And I was explaining it to you when we were planning this episode. I, I'm not overly controlling about grooming. Like my kids don't even bathe every day. It's like, I don't think of myself as super controlling that way, but hair down for both my girls looked very stringy to me. And it felt like the same as walking out the door without a sweater or without shoes on or something. It just felt like it was unfinished. And we also have a lot of lice that goes around at our elementary school. And so rather than fight about hair every morning, like, can I put your hair in a ponytail or come here, like go get the brush. I just made it a rule. Like a lot of things in my house, I found it easier to have it non-negotiable and have it be just a part of getting ready. And then we didn't have to fight about it. And so both girls, Allegra learned to do her own ponytail in about fourth grade probably. Mm. Um, and Violet wears her hair short, but I would just pull the front part of her bangs back into like a little half pony. And that was for years of school. And I don't know what changed this year. Um, I mean, I think they just wore me down, but Allegra's in middle school. So I decided it's just not a hill I'm going to die on. She's, she's old enough to make that decision for herself. I still think it looks stringy sometimes if it's not brushed or not super clean, but oh, well. And then Violet, She's wearing her hair like a it's it's kind of a cute bob. And I have to say it hers looks pretty put together as a bob like she has a side part naturally and it just goes down and the cut is cute. So it doesn't look as bad as when it's like so scraggly. You know what I yeah. mean? And I just changed my mind and I told them I changed my mind because Violet would like start to pull a fight. Like, can I wear my hair down today? Can I? And I'm like, yep, I'm over it. We changed the rule. And they're like, oh, right. So right. I don't know. But yeah. Well, that's funny because I have to, I had to really think about this. I think when Clara started kindergarten, she still was growing out that really adorable, like short Bob with the bangs. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until like second grade or so that I started trying to put her hair up. Cause there is something about a kid who's already kind of, um, leaning toward bed heady, Mm -hmm. just walking out the door with like long, even if it's well brushed, like there's just something about that look that does kind of look like mom didn't try today yeah, or it's like, like unfinished, you know? Yes. Mom was, mom was still in bed when you got yourself dressed and rolled out the door. And so I also kind of had that not as a rule, but I just remember it was a preference of mm-hmm. mine for a while. But Clara, first of all, really doesn't like to have her hair done. Like mm-hmm. she never has even ponytail. She's just very, she's always been very pick, um, critical, I guess, self-critical yeah. about her hair and how it looks. And so wanting to do her hair would then often lead to more of a fight mm-hmm. because not that she wouldn't let me do it, but she never liked how it looked. Yeah. So we had to go back and do it again and back and do it again. And at some point, I think maybe fourth grade, maybe third, I just kind of let her do whatever she wanted. And uh, some days, like every morning, I'll say, brush your hair, brush your teeth. And she'll come out of the bathroom. I'm like, did you brush your hair? And then half <laughs> the time she'll say, no, I forgot and go back and brush her hair. And then she comes out and I'm like, yeah, but did you that time? Because yeah. <laughs> it still looks disheveled to me, yeah. but I'm just... I'm letting it go. Yeah. And a lot of girls in her class, same thing. And, you know, when I look back at pictures of myself, um, my mom did my hair in two braids every single day for like 
up until I was in sixth grade. Yeah. And on the few occasions that she let me wear my hair down, like for school picture day or something, I'd look like a mess. Yeah. So she had her, she had her reasons. She had her reasons yeah. and they were probably very valid. Um, and the days that I thought my hair looked so beautiful because it was down by the time I it was like school pictures were taken, I'd played on the, you know, played yeah. around at recess and yep. No looked good. like a mess. Well, that's no a good. good reminder. We did just do an episode about our own hair, but you had the idea. I think we have enough to say to do a whole episode about kids hair, like boys yes. haircuts and how much, oh um, my gosh. how much opinions <laughs> you let your kids have about their own hair when they're little yep. and like, how do you let that go? So that's a teaser for a, an uh, future an episode. episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Your turn. Okay. Well, I think I will say pants without real waistbands or zippers. I used to really have a bias. And by that, I guess I mean like not leggings because you never expect a legging to have a waistband or zipper, but more like a jegging yeah. or a pant that's trying to pass itself off as like slacks, but don't actually have you know what I mean? Like a I know button. exactly what you mean. It like feels maternity pants ish kind of. Yes. Or, and I, I kind of felt like they were unflattering or cheating or like made for old ladies. <laughs> yes, yes, which yes. maybe yet because I've gotten older. Um, I don't know. But what I have found and I don't know if it's the fact that like I've put on some weight and my body has changed or if it's like the cut of pants is getting different. But often when I wear just traditional standard jeans, um, even if they're skinny, like on the skinny side, Something about the zipper and the button creates this like poochy, bumpy look uh -huh. that really drives me crazy. And the only thing I found to get me around that is jeans or je like jeggings or pants where it's just a smooth top mm -hmm. thing. It's so much more flattering. It pulls everything in, even if it's not super like I'm wearing a pair of Jane um, leggings that kind of look like jeans right now. Mm -hmm. And they're not they're not like control top. They they're definitely like, I don't know, they fit stretchy and like kind of just a very light stretch mm -hmm. but they have pockets they have a button but it's just decorative and they have belt loops but these are not real pants yeah right these are like pajama jeans yeah right and I just I have gotten over whatever my problem was with them they're comfortable they look good on me I feel like they've gotten better yeah mm -hmm. and so now I'm all in yep I'm I'm all in too I don't really have any that are like jeggings I have one pair of regular jeans the denim is real denim and they have back pockets like real denim, but they just don't have button or zipper. They're pull on mm -hmm. like, like maternity, <laughs> but they're not. Yeah. Um, yes, I can get behind that as well. Um, I will say my sister-in-law Jenna has two or three times in her stitch fix box gotten an amazing pair of like straight up slacks without, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like waiting for the day that happens for me. Cause I, it's just, you know, you get what you get, Yeah. but I love them and she loves them. And she's like super excited when she gets them. And yeah, no, yeah. that sounds, so, I can see, I don't, haven't worn slack like pants in a long time, but I can see how it would totally work. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's a food and beverage related one for me. I used to always have my coffee with something sweet in it. It was years ago, like years, 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 years ago, it was sweet and low and then it was Splenda and then it was Stevia. So I was getting like farther and farther away from the bad fake sugar. And up until probably two years ago, I would have a whole packet of stevia and then I went to a half because stevia is really sweet it's like yes, it, it really a is. lot of punch and so as I was getting used to that whole taste and I also take a little bit of milk in my coffee not a lot it's a pretty dark like when I add the milk it's still dark brown um but a little bit of milk and I actually can't trace the change of mind to any one thing I just just like I stopped having the taste for coffee that was sweet at all and so now I don't, I don't put anything sweet in my coffee. I never at a Starbucks, I never order anything sweet. It's, it kind of bums me out sometimes with the seasonal stuff, because I like the idea of a fun coffee drink that has a flavor to it. You know, mm. your gingerbread, mm -hmm. your pumpkin spice, whatever the, um, but they are all so, so sweet. And at Starbucks, I've tried to ask for like, like it'll be four pumps normally come in this drink and I'll ask for like a half of one and it's still, it's just too sweet. So I think I like yeah. the idea of that's why tea's nice. Cause you can go for lots of different types of tea that like bring out different flavors, spicy or, right. um, but I, with coffee, I just don't, I don't want anything sweet in it anymore. And I can't really figure out exactly why or when it was like gradual, but now that I'm used to it, I really don't like even a little bit sweet. Yeah. You know, your taste buds have probably yeah. changed to some degree as well. So that's funny because with me, um, I used to always be like two and a half sugar packet kind mm -hmm. of person in my tea. 
And I was, I don't remember where I was recently, but I could only get my hand, I might have been camping or something. I really could only get my hands on one packet of sugar. And I was like kind of panicking, thinking like, I'm not even going to enjoy this. You know how you get about your oh, beverages, yes, right? Oh, yes, I would. Yes, I do. Like, I'm not even going to like it. And I just put a little extra half and half in it and actually liked it better uh-huh. that way. So then I was like, oh, okay. So then at home, I made this really conscious effort to weigh cut back. And I have a very specific sugar spoon I use at home and I can tell exactly how much I'm getting. But then when I travel, the proportions get all off, not only because um, I don't have that spoon, but also because when I'm buying like a tea at Starbucks, it's bigger yeah. than my mug at yeah. home. So I can never quite figure out how much sugar. So every time I travel, I feel like my taste buds like have to readjust because I tend to oversweeten my tea. And then when I get home, I have to like kind of get myself back off that. But I really do like it better when it's a little heavier on the creamer mm-hmm. of the half and half and then a little lighter on the sugar. And there's nothing, I feel like something that's oversweet is, it's kind of a bummer because you can't, is. you can't, can't fix, fix it. it. No. <laughs> okay, Megan. Well, over here at the mom hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, our place. In fact, you, me and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay, Sarah. So this, this next one, um, is a longstanding bias of mine. Okay. And it is against Merlot. Oh, poor Merlot. So I know I, I mean, I started drinking red wine in my mid twenties and like, I think I saw that movie sideways, like right around Mm -hmm. that time. And of course it was the joke about Merlot, but that wasn't really what made me not like it. I think of all the red wines, Merlot was the one that most frequently tasted just disgusting to me. And I think I just drank bad Merlot. Like, I mm-hmm. think the only time I drank it would be things like, um, I'm at a restaurant that has one bottle of red and one bottle of white. And they're both in like those huge jugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the Merlot yeah. I was drinking, you know, I'm putting like air quotes here was really just junk wine. Yeah. And there is something that a little tannic about it often that I don't super love. But then I realized that I really like blends. Like I really like Bordeaux blend, which is like, um, Syrah, Cab, Merlot, mm-hmm. I believe, something like that. So then I was like, well, what is it about this blend I like when I hate Merlot so much? And then I just realized that those were better wines. Yeah. 
Um, and I was actually just at a, a local winery and tried some wines and the Merlot was my favorite, which was really weird. It tasted nothing like what I thought a Merlot should taste like. Right. Um, and the winemaker was like, well, you know, probably like when you drink cheap, crappy wine, there's additives in it or they'll do stuff to bring out flavor. Yeah. That's kind of like shortchanging the yeah, process. It's really just alcohol. I, with <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like with a cough syrup finish yeah. or something. And I felt like. I just felt like this whole time I've been judging Merlot based on like airplane Merlot yes. or something. Yeah, this makes me think about wine branding in general, because I mean, remember way back in the day, like even Rosé was not cool for a long right. time. Rosé was yep. like a white Zinfandel, the old Vindel. lady. <laughs> it was <laughs> pink. Yeah, it, it was, was sweet pink wine. And the old ladies in the restaurants where I worked would ask for ice cubes in theirs. And it yes. just had its old thing. And there's there's definitely some big branding somewhere behind there. And I can probably feel for these smaller um, winemakers who know actually how to make their grapes taste good. And then we get these blanket. I mean, when I started drinking white wine, I drank a lot of Chardonnay and I still have a couple of Chardonnays that I like, but then Chardonnay fell very out of fashion. Like nobody right. drinks Chardonnay anymore. And 10 years ago, that wasn't necessarily the case with white. Now it's always, you know, Sauvignon Blanc or I've never, yep. I've never been a big Pinot Grigio person. But, um, I do think there's like somewhere there's a, like, um, a make a branding makeover that happens and maybe Merlot is due up for it. Well, and I, I think what happened is it got really popular, like in the eighties. Yeah. And then when it got really popular, it got, became cheap and yeah. commoditized and then it got gross and then it lost and then it fell out of favor. So yeah, you're right. Like it needs to swing back Yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. I don't mind well. Merlot. I mean, I, I don't mind any red wine. That's good. Like if right. someone, especially if someone can tell me a little bit about it or tell me why right. they like it, I can get behind that. So, Well, next time we're together, maybe we'll try one together. A bottle of Merlot, it'll be. <laughs> um, okay. Well, this is something that my mind was changed a little bit about after um, a listener conversation. So you all know that I cannot abide the themed dress up days at elementary school, especially the spirit week where it's one thing after another, like cowboy day and then tie dye day and then Hawaiian shirt day. And then, um, and I've been very public about how frustrating I find this as a mom and how I don't appreciate having one more thing on my list because it's also usually like the last week of school or the, it's, it's just always a crazy, we had a spirit week, the week of Halloween this year. So like you had to find costumes on the week where you were already trying to pull a costume together for your kids. Right. I have been unapologetically grumpy about this. um, And I've gotten a lot of mileage out of that over the years. So last end of year, and we always do some kind of end of school year. Oh, I know what it was. We talked about teachers and, um, and then I interviewed a few teachers to give their perspective on the craziness that is the last month of school. And our friend, Elizabeth Chapman, who blogs at teaching salmon scout, she's a full-time high school English teacher and she has two little kids. And um, she mentioned that themed dress days. Now she teaches high school, so it's a little different, but she said she will still do like crazy sock day or like right. little things for her high school students. And that's different because they can manage their own stuff, right? Like if they want to participate, they can because they're 15. But her point was as a teacher, it's really hard to keep kids engaged at the end of the year. Like the kids don't want right. to be there. And as a teacher, you're bored. You yeah. don't want to be yeah, there. That makes sense. So yeah. sometimes you come up with little rewards, like, or little things to do so that you can earn your pizza party at the end of the week. And yeah. I just, it kind of planted that seed. And then what's funny is that last summer, I found myself kind of thinking of not themed dress up days. I wouldn't do that at home with my kids, but I was, I found myself finding like, we need like something to look forward to, or we need like a plan for the week. Like this week, right. it's go to the library. We need like library Mondays. Like I found myself yes. trying to put brand um, structure and almost like branding around this long stretch of time at home with kids. And I was like, okay, I get it. So for, for some teachers, especially, I think it is helpful to have something to look forward to, to mix up the monotony. Um, yeah. And it's not necessarily designed just to make parents crazy. I'm not going to say I like themed dress up days and I, I will never be the mom that tries to do them. In fact, I prefer if my kids forget them or if they do remember, <laughs> then they have to do it themselves. Right. But I feel like I have changed my understanding of what purpose they might serve. I really thought they were like, basically like the PTA trying to make my life miserable. That's what I thought they were. Or like a room mom deciding yes. to put together like this. Mm-hmm. Yes. This thing to be, to give them something to do. Yes. Um, yes. Which is totally unfair. And but I think for me, the randomness of it 
and the fact that it's so concentrated during already busy times of year is what mm -hmm. makes me grumpy. Like we had one this year that, or maybe last year that was like kindness day, but then <laughs> kindness day, you were supposed to wear a shirt in a certain color. It's like, what does that have to do with kindness? Yeah. I'm not seeing the connection here. So, but you know, I can just choose to opt out. I don't have to be grumpy about the fact that it exists, Yes, I guess, because our kids are big enough that if it matters to them, they can yes. make it happen and they can take the, on the lion's share of that work. Yes. So, Agreed. Um, that's a good one. That's a big change. Yeah. Good for you, Sarah. Yeah, I'm evolving. Always <laughs> evolving. good. Always good to hear the perspective of those that you may be judging a little bit. So yes, I was exactly. happy to revise my thinking on that. Exactly. Well, here's one that I'm sort of still in the process of figuring out uh, where I'm going to land with this. But there has been a battle in my home <laughs> raging for the last year and a half. And that is the battle of the toaster oven versus the microwave. I'm picturing like cartoon toaster oven and cartoon yes. microwave. Like well, I live in a really, really teeny house, um, as you know, with a teeny kitchen and very little um, room yes. on the countertop. And so when we moved in, I made a conscious decision not to buy a microwave and to buy a toaster oven. And I had lots of logical reasons for this. Um, I'll name some. Okay. One logical reason is that theoretically a toaster oven gives you another space in which to bake. Mm -hmm. Like. You can do rolls in it. You can do like, there's all kinds of things you can do. Um, theoretically, I don't need a microwave because we very, very rarely heat things that way. Like I have a kettle that you can make oatmeal with and, right. you know, any beverage you want basically could be made with a, a kettle of hot water. So I thought, well, what would I even use it for? Like melting butter for popcorn? I can do that on the stovetop. Like I just, for every potential use of the microwave, I had a, a solution mm -hmm. in mind and so I was like, it's just unnecessary. And I feel that toaster oven will give us more um, flexibility and more, I don't know, versatility. Yeah. Just be more functional. So I've lived in this house now for a year and a half and some change, like more, almost going on two years and have not had a microwave the entire time. And here's the thing. 98% of the time, I don't care that mm -hmm. I don't have a microwave, but the 2% of the time, I wish I had it. Like, I really wish I had it. And on the flip side, the toaster oven gets almost no use. Mm -hmm. The only thing anyone uses it for is to toast. Yeah. And it takes up a lot of space mm -hmm. because it's big. Mm -hmm. um, so all those, all that theory about the fact that we were going to use it kind of like an ancillary oven mm -hmm. space totally did not work out that way. Um, all I really need, it turns out, is like a four slice toaster. Right. Or maybe even a two slice toaster because we're not even making four slices of toast at the same time. Right. Generally. And then that would probably buy me like six to eight square inches of space on my counter, which I could really use. So then the question is, now this is where the battle <laughs> comes in. Do I swap out the toaster oven for a toaster and still not have a microwave? Or do I like almost look at it as like a trade? I haven't landed. I don't know, but I, but I'm in debates with myself. I would be, it. I eat a lot of leftovers and I love leftovers. So I know you can heat leftovers in the oven or on the stove, but I'm not having a microwave would, would bum me out. Um, and there's a few convenience foods that we buy these burritos from Trader Joe's and things that, um, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Like I hardly ever, like I I'll make leftovers, but when I make them, um, for the whole family, it's really no big deal just to put the pan, or yeah. just put the thing back in the oven for a bit. It's more that I think not having one means the kids will never heat leftovers mm -hmm. because they're not going to go through that much effort. Yeah. Which means more food gets thrown out. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I know there's food that they would just scoop into a bowl and microwave yeah. if they could. And then, um, yeah, just stuff like, I don't know, quickly like throwing in a microwave popcorn bag. I hardly ever do that. I usually make it on the stovetop, but yeah. it wouldn't, it would be nice yeah. to be able to. I like, so I, I like having a microwave and I concur that our toaster oven, we for years just had a pop-up toaster and it finally died and we got a toaster oven and I concur that it could be used for many other things and it isn't. Yeah. Um, I have enough cupboard space. I don't like it out on the counter. It feels too much, but I do have enough cupboard space. So I keep it down below and I actually get it out. Even sometimes two, two or three times a day, the kids will get it out and I still put it away because I just don't like that honking thing on the yeah. counter all the time. So. Yes, the battle. You'll have to keep us updated on the yes, battle. Yes, I will. It's a really, I'm, 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 in, I'm in, you know, discussions yes. with myself right now and <laughs> negotiations and stuff. So, um, Okay, well, here's a quick one. I moved from Arizona to California in 2014, August of 2014, so a little over five years ago. And um, from a 
home and garden decor standpoint, succulents were just starting to be all the rage, like little teeny tiny succulent Mm -hmm. gardens and all kinds of different things. And I was like, nope, not here for it. I just spent the last decade where the only thing green was cactus related and low water, you know, things that didn't need a lot of water. And I just, I I didn't think they were pretty. And, you know, I know objectively there's lots of different ways to have, you know, succulents and they can be very pretty. I just couldn't see it. All I wanted was lush. I wanted roses. I wanted climbing ivy and jasmine and all the um, things that the citrus fruits and all the things that I, we have here in Southern California that felt different than Arizona. And then basically like all the home and garden magazines in five years have worn me down. And I now think <laughs> succulents are not only really pretty, I think they're really great for decorating. I mm. love how you can just take a clipping and it'll reroot in a little pot. And not only do I not hate succulents anymore or the look of them, I actually like actively like them. Like I have little pots of them on my windowsill and on my front porch, but it took, I mean, it took four of those five years, five and a half years. So I, I am a big succulent fan. I have succulents. Like I have like a pot of the ones that kind of have, I don't know, like, what would you even call it? They creep over the side mm-hmm. yeah, and they kind of hang everywhere. I think they're so that cool. I, yeah. I moved those off the front porch into my house because I didn't think they'd make it much longer otherwise. And I've got little pots. I'm not a huge cactus fan. I think that there's something real weird about them. Um, Clara got one in her Easter basket last year. I thought she'd keep it in her bedroom. <laughs> um, she named him Carl <laughs> and decided that Carl looks best in my living room window. And I disagree. I don't really like the looks of Carl. Okay. He's spiny. Like, I feel like one of the things I love about succulents is you can touch them. Like, you can pet them and uh-huh. they feel really cool. And Carl is like one of those little ones you can buy at the, like at the, you know, I bought it at CVS. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little pot and little, little Carl's little green, what do you call it, trunk. Yeah. And then a little orange ball head. Okay. I don't like it. Yeah. Freaks so I out. guess in my mind, I lump the two together. I, I know there's a difference, but they kind of are. Yeah. Succulents, I guess, are softer cacti yeah. have the spines. Um, but I think even, I think I'm okay even with small cacti. I don't have, I don't do as much with. Maybe you'll change my mind. Maybe. Maybe I can learn to love Carl. Maybe you and Carl can coexist this winter. Possible. Well, <laughs> I just don't look at him. I avert my eyes when I walk past him. Okay. Well, I've got one more. Okay. Um, and that is very relevant to this time of year. Um, and also relevant to an episode we'll be doing pretty soon. But I have always had like a bias against um, decorating for Christmas before Thanksgiving. I've always Mm -hmm. kind of like that's been the line in the sand that I've drawn. And this year, for a variety of reasons, I just gave up because a Thanksgiving is so late this year. So late, even on the so late. But even on the years that Thanksgiving hasn't been late, I typically travel over Thanksgiving. And then by the time, you know, it takes you a day or two to just get back in the swing of things when you get back. So by the time I would even get around to getting stuff out or thinking about it, it would be like, it would feel too late. Like then it would start to feel rushed or like, like I wasn't going to have enough time to enjoy it. Um, so this year I was like, no, I don't, I don't have to wait. I am the decider. Mm-hmm. I can decide that I'm going to start, you know, listening to, because holiday music makes me happy. Yeah. And why wouldn't I just be happy for an extra week? Yes. Um, but the one, the one sort of challenge I'm finding myself in, because as we're recording this, we're still kind of in between like, you know, Thanksgiving hasn't happened yeah. yet. And what I'm finding is that I don't exactly know how to start phasing out the false stuff. (laughs) Usually I would do it all at once and I don't want it to completely go away yet. Like maybe another week and a half. Um, So like we have all the bins, like the Christmas bins are out and ready to go. I bought the kids advent calendars, like all of it's ready, but like I haven't quite pulled the trigger because I just don't know if I can do it gradually or not. Right. Yes. Well, I have things to say about this because I, I wouldn't say I have fully changed my mind, but I am evolving. I am, I am definitely different about this than I used to be. I used to be hard and fast, no decorations, no music, no movies. And it, it felt like it was fun to wait until the day after. But like you said, this year, this is airing just a few days after Thanksgiving. It's already December. And so we have a short season. I think where I started to evolve was I started not to mind when it was out in the stores. Like, you know how people get really like, oh my gosh, I was at the mall and it's only the day after Halloween and it's already Christmas. And I, a few years ago, I just gave that up. I was like, you know what? It's it's not, doesn't bother me if stores 
want to decorate for Christmas or get you in the spirit early. So I kind of gave that up. And if I hear holiday music in the mall or on the radio, I'll kind of bop along. I still like to delay that gratification. Like I love waking up on the day after Thanksgiving and just having a free for all, especially with listening to music because I can get sick of it if it's too Mm. long. So I kind of delay it and then go crazy. And then, you know, then I don't get sick of it. But I also am I'm much softer on this stance than I used to be. I have not gotten our bins out, um, but this is airing December 1st. On December 1st, we will be um, the bins will be out. And I think we might even get our tree December 1st this year, which is unusual because usually we wait a week, but it's such a short season. We're going to be gone again by the 21st. We're only home for like three yeah. weeks. So, yeah, I'm yeah. With you. Yeah. And I think for me, it's probably going to be a gradual thing. Like I let Clara put a few little things out, but I think just having everything in place and ready Mm -hmm. to hit it on December 1st is going to feel really good. And that kind of gets me to where I want to be, which is to enjoy all of December. Yeah. um, Christmassy in a Christmassy way, which if I wait to start at all until the day after Thanksgiving, it's really going to be a week after Thanksgiving before I get to anything. So yeah, doing some purchasing and some thinking about Christmas plants and stuff did help. Yes. Agreed. Um, okay. Well, I can do one more. Um, and this is when I have really done a 180 on over the last few years and I will credit it to the podcast. That is anything that comes in a subscription box model. Yes, I had a very big chip on my shoulder about this. Now, granted, this is several years ago when it was newer. And I think what I didn't appreciate about subscription boxes or what I thought my misconception was that it was a potential waste of money because it wasn't things you were going to be buying anyway. So therefore it was in excess of whatever you would be buying anyway. And I have actually learned from having subscription services sent to me, FabFitFun, Stitch Fix, stuff for the kids, um, that in fact I'm using that stuff and not buying what I might be buying at Target or this or that. Um, sometimes to the tune of even more efficiency because I might find something that I really like and then get more use or wear out of that than having a bunch of other random stuff around. So I had to revise my thinking around the financial aspect of a Mm. subscription Mm -hmm. box. I don't think every single one is going to save you money, but I also don't think they're all a waste of money. And that's really like when I came in without having a lot of experience, I think that's kind of it just felt excessive to me or yes. like you were somehow going to be getting a bunch of stuff you didn't want or need, which that's silly because if you sign up for a subscription box service, hopefully it is something that you want and need and would be buying somewhere else anyway. So I've really changed, yeah. changed my mind and I have loved some subscription box services and I see new ones all the time that I'm like, that is a great idea. Like subscription, yep. like subscription at all. Like we do butcher box now for our <laughs> meat. Like I'm all, yeah. I'm all in. Well, I love this because I also, I wouldn't say I had like a, like I was, um, grumpy or biased about it necessarily, but I think I just felt like it was unnecessary. It felt like, how are all these business models working? Or do people really need more stuff? And I just didn't see the point for trying a subscription box myself. Right. But I like, you now see the, one of the things I love the most about um, the funds that are just for fun, like, like HelloFresh is great because it, you know, or like butcher box, like, because they're delivering things you really are going to buy, like literally that exact same thing otherwise, which is food. (laughs) But something like FabFitFun or even Stitch Fix is really like, it kind of scratches that little itch. I'm not a big shopper, but when I have been in the mood for a little retail therapy, Mm -hmm. it's, there's something I'm getting out of beside, like besides the stuff. Mm -hmm. It's something about the thrill of the discovery, going out and finding just that one fun thing that you didn't know was out there. Like there's something to that. And having that kind of thing delivered in a subscription then kind of gives you that experience without you actually having to go out and shop. And I would spend a lot more money if I just decided once, you know, a month or whatever, like I want a little rush. I'm going to go out and like just browse the store and see what's out there. I'd spend 300 bucks and not 49.99. So yeah, yeah, I totally, totally hear you. And I am on board. Any more subscription boxes want us? Come on, come, come. Get they us. do come like get podcasts, podcast <laughs> listeners and subscription box purchasers. Are, there's some kind of Venn diagram in the marketing world somewhere. Because well, because the less time you have to spend shopping, the more time you can spend listening to podcasts. There you, go. you know what else has gotten better? I think about subscription box models is I also used to think that they were designed to kind of trap you into paying monthly or quarterly for something and like losing your password and forgetting to go in and cancel, you know, like relying on our fallibility with regard to like staying, you know, checking your email. And I really think they're there. I don't, I think most of them are not out to get you in that way. Like, I love that you can, you can cancel, you can pause, you can skip, 
most of them are, that's not the model they're in. I do think sometimes that app subscriptions are like that. Like they want to, they want to get your four ninety nine a month and they want you to forget that you're paying for that thing. Right. We've talked about it. We've both been paying for Adobe cloud on accident for like two years and didn't know it. Like there are some things where that's easy, but I, I don't, I think the subscription box model works because you can start up, you can stop, you can change it. And I think most of them have gotten really good about that kind of thing. Yeah. So. Well, it sounds like we are agreed on about half of yeah. the things and maybe we're, we're still going to have to find some common ground on the other ones. Well, and we are agreed that it's okay to change your mind and admit it. Yep. That's very true. <laughs> that's the lesson in this, the moral of this podcast episode. I mean, I don't think it has to have a moral. It's Sunday. Um, (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. This was really fun. Thanks to everybody who has joined us for our special holiday bonus series. We have given you a lot of podcast episodes in your feed in the last couple of weeks. I do want to say that if you're behind and you're listening um, and you're curious about those two holiday series that we did last week and the week before, one on creating holiday memories and one on holiday shopping, those are good to go all season long. So if you missed them and felt like, why are Megan and Sarah, why do they keep showing up in my feed and you were traveling or something? Um, yeah. I'd love if you go back and listen because it's still obviously holiday shopping season is just getting going and the creating holiday memories one is totally applicable all season long. So um, scroll back in your feed a little bit, check those out. The episodes are a little shorter than usual and they go kind of one, two, three, one, two, three. And we had a lot of fun doing a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, wow. We've talked to each other a lot. Yes, we have. We? we have. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, everybody. We will be back with you soon with another new episode, and we will talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening and left the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.